0: In the rugged and remote Taranaki region of New Zealand runs a Waimedi stream and the isolated Manuka forests, home to the bees that produce some of the most natural, pure Manuka honey in the world.
1: Manuka honey is a great daily immune booster, digestive remedy, and an anti-inflammatory.
0: It's also a great
1: alternative to sugar and a powerful ingredient for longevity. Waimedi honey is a high quality New Zealand Manuka honey, now available in Australia at Woolworths, right around the country.
0: And even better, every time you buy Ymedi honey, 10% of your purchase goes towards the regeneration of hive numbers to increase the world bee population.
1: More honey, more healing, and more health for humanity.
0: YMedi honey? Find it now in Woolworth stores right around Australia. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show. With wellness experts Dr. Damien Kristoff and Dr. Brett Hill.
2: Hey,
3: Brett, this episode's brought to you by Forage. Forage. Love my forage cereal, demo, My forage
1: paleo with uh, such a great way to start the day. I make my little homemade almond meal, uh, almond milk, I should say. I put some uh, strawberries on it.
3: It's yum. beautiful. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah, I love forage. Um, I created it with your health in mind and obviously I created paleo because you told me to. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much for that. But this episode is brought to you by Forage. It's a great tasting, incredibly healthy, no added nasty muesli range that uh, I created to help you stay well. So if you want to see more about it, go to www.firedcereal.com. Hi, this is Damien Kristoff And this is Brett Hill. Brett, yet another incredible interview that we've just done. Uh, I like this guy, Damo. He he kind
1: of reminds me of an Israeli version of you. He, uh, <laughs> he has all the corny jokes, but they're hilarious, especially because he's got such a wonderful accent. Uh, but he's an absolute wealth of knowledge on autoimmunity and uh, and he shared some really great stuff with us on the podcast about coffee um, and about all sorts of you know sunlight vitamin D all sorts of really important things and that's what I really liked about his talks as well you know he talked about curcumin he talked about pomegranate he talked about lots of great things and, and some of that he shares with us on, the, us on the podcast show we didn't get to get a heap of questions in because he had a lot that he wanted to share <laughs> but it's a great episode
3: it is a great episode and I think there's a really there's something refreshing about uh, Professor Huda. In that he, you get, the, you get the sense that he's kind of casual about it. And he's kind of like, well, if you don't have it, then why would you chase it? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
3: So yesterday he was requesting ice cream.
1: Yeah.
3: You know, and today he's just before our podcast, he's sucking down some cakes. <laughs> and uh, he's kind of kept it all really quiet you know, relaxed and yes, he knows his stuff. Like he's a professor. It's not like he's just reading someone else's book and then regurgitating or he's, you know, read a Wikipedia post and, you know, all of a sudden he's become a wellness expert. <laughs> he's uh, He actually knows his stuff. It's really quite incredible. But he's relaxed about it, which I really liked. It's kind of like um, the – the longevity enthusiasts, you know, those that are living to 100 years old don't really know why they're doing it. They're not trying to focus so much on the chemical, the individual nutrient. He's just kind of going, you know, well, this is what I'm going to do and hopefully I'll get there. Yeah, I love it, mate. It's a great interview. Let's get into it. And, Bretto, here we are still at the sixth Bioceutical Symposium. It's been a great event, I must say. Loving it. Great event. We've had some really great interviews. We've met some really amazing people, very smart people too. We're about to speak to one of the smartest people in the room. Actually, in the, smartest, people, the smartest person in the room—not <laughs> one of the. Anyway, smartest fella. Is uh, a so, compliment? yeah, yeah. I think so, okay. unless you don't want to be, <laughs> unless you, you can't take that back. Um, we've got Professor Yehuda Schoenfeld with us, and he's going to talk to us today about um, the environmental factors, including the genetic factors that are involved in autoimmunity. And uh, it's a very exciting topic. There's been a lot of uh, discussion on this this weekend, but welcome to the podcast, Professor. It's my
2: pleasure and thank you for inviting me.
3: Well, it's our pleasure to interview you and uh, in in listening to your presentations over the weekend uh, and, and, and seeing your passion and your enthusiasm which is contagious, uh, it's helped me kind of understand, um, I suppose with more clarity, some of the influences um, that, that are you know, causing autoimmune diseases and, and perpetuating, making them worse uh, in, our, in our society at the moment. What, what are you feeling around autoimmune disease at the moment? Is there a lot more at the moment? Is, a, is it becoming better understood? What's, what's your take on autoimmune disease at the moment?
2: Both of the... Um declaration were right, namely that there is an increase in the incidence and prevalence of autoimmune diseases all over the world because those environmental factors that you have mentioned before, which prevails all over, uh, some of them have what we call an adjuvant effect, stimulating effect on the immune system. And you have to remember that autoimmune diseases are due to over reaction of the immune system, which is redirected or directed against our own constituents. So if you have something in the environment which stimulate more the immune system, in those people, and here I come to the second point, those who are genetically prone to develop autoimmune disease, they will develop eventually the autoimmune disease. So basically autoimmune diseases are genetic, they run in the family, and quite often if you have one subject with Um, an autoimmune disease, you will have another subject in the family, which is uh, by and large a first-degree relative, which will have also an autoimmune disease, not necessarily the same autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. So quite often we might find families with a father having multiple sclerosis, the um, mother may have lupus, and the son will have type 1 diabetes mellitus. So this is a great variety. The factors which will determine which autoimmune disease and when you will develop the autoimmune disease are most probably environmental factors. So the environmental factors, by and large, are quite diverse, uh, starting from drugs which we physicians prescribe, and we have drug-induced lupus, we have drug-induced myasthenia gravis, but also other factors and mainly infectious agents. For instance, for instance, EB virus, Epstein-Barr virus, which is responsible for infectious mononucleosis. Which is regarded still as so to speak benign this condition, the, the which is the kissing disease, even though it has a very sexiest name, and you think that you can <laughs> enjoy the disease. Eventually, the consequences of this disease are quite painful because HPV is known so far to be responsible for more than thirty two different autoimmune diseases, So um, and it may induce it after a long time of incubation when the subject or even his physician will not relate the disease to the infectious agent. So we have additional infectious agents in the air, which you call environment, Mm -hmm. which uh, can induce different autoimmune diseases like cytomegalovirus which is the cousin of EB virus mm-hmm. and even a bacteria like helicobacter pylori which is quite famous yeah. in in uh, uh, Australia not because of autoimmune diseases because of the okay. duodenal ulcer and the Nobel prize which mm-hmm. was granted for uh, uh, revealing the association of this helicobacter pylori. Mm. So we have additional factors, chemical factors, insecticides which are sprayed over vegetables and uh, other growing substances in the ground. And uh, also some of these... Um, Uh, I would say, uh, uh, causing factors are included in what we may regard as good things like vaccines. Vaccines are the best um, revolution that we had in medicine and, you know, they allow us to eliminate um, uh, very dangerous infectious agents, etc. But to enable the ingredients of the viruses or bacteria, the companies are adding adjuvants which are stimulating agents. So it's very conceivable, and actually it's a fact, that in those people who are genetically prone to develop autoimmune diseases, they might uh, develop the disease, or their disease may exacerbate following these adjuvants, etc. Another factor, environmental factor, that you have mentioned, are silicon breast implants, which were have, oh. have been selected oh, yeah. as... Um, being believed that they are inert to the immune system, and eventually it has been found that um, they are uh, behaving like an anjuvant, continuously stimulating the immune system, even if the silicon capsule uh, is still intact and was not ruptured. So it's not surprising that this bleeding tendency of the silicon was... um, Demonstrated by the fact that the silicon was found even in the inguinal uh, lymph nodes, okay. etc. needless to say that uh, if the silicon ruptured the capsule, it can be found in the chest, and then in the lungs. And then you cannot extract it. And then continuously, the immune system of the subject may be stimulated. And um, Maybe be, uh, in those who are genetically prone, may induce different autoimmune diseases. So, the environment is extremely uh, instrumental in induction of autoimmune diseases, and our better understanding of this environmental factor may lead to a more personalized medicine. Uh, we have two papers, which we call, Who is at Risk? It means who is at risk of developing autoimmune diseases um, following, for instance, vaccine. Definitely not the whole population. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we should avoid, maybe we should have changed the schedule. Maybe we should have replaced the adjuvant, which is aluminum, which is <coughs> toxic to our uh, body by another adjuvant, which mm-hmm. the companies are not doing too much effort not, to replace not it. fast, there. Right, it is used almost for the last one hundred years, and uh, it 's quite cheap, very effective, so they don 't have any interest to replace the aluminum oil. and the same who is at risk of silicon implants, which at the beginning, I was not so much against these implants, but now better understanding the stimulating factor of the silicon, I would not support the silicon implants, even I know how much it is important to some. Uh, women especially after a reconstructive surgery following mastectomy and so forth and so forth. So um, the, um, the environmental factors include climatic factors. And it's not surprising that there is a seasonal variation in the induction of autoimmune disease and their distribution. And there is geoepidemiology, which means that... Um, there is a distribution, different distribution of autoimmune diseases in different countries. Let's take uh, the fact that the further you are from the equator, the higher is the incidence of autoimmune diseases. And the question is, what happen, What happens when you uh, you distance from the equator? So there are different explanations. And for instance, one of them is vitamin D and the exposure to the ultraviolet sun. And uh, the further you go from the equator, the lower the exposure and then the lower vitamin D. So vitamin D has been found to be an immunomodulating substance. It's not a vitamin, it's not even a hormone now. It has so pleiotropic um, uh, functions, uh, especially modulating the immune system, that we recommend it almost to all Sub, uh, patients with autoimmune disease including healthy subject so even myself which I regard myself as healthy I do take 2000 international units of vitamin D every day and even Lally is taking vitamin D
1: which is your puppy dog
2: uh, Lalia is our dog, and uh, she is quite healthy. You will see her today in the lecture, and uh, <laughs> she is quite nice. And she has the function to protect our granddaughter of developing autoimmune uh, diseases. And um, so this is vitamin D. There are there is another explanation which I will discuss today uh, that you further go from the equator is that you detach yourself from our good friends the helminths. Yeah. The worms, yeah, right, and it has been found when there are worms or helminths, there are no autoimmune diseases, yeah. and the question is why, and the reason is again the same uh, mechanism that I have explained before: the helminth resides in your stomach or in your intestine. And uh, she or he depends. The they don't want to kill you. They reside on you. They're they're,
3: they're they, they are like the
2: tax officer. They do <laughs> not want that you will die because who will pay the tax eventually? <laughs> so they are interested okay. in your um, chocolate and uh, whatever you eat. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the helmin has to confront the immune system of the host that would like to eject him. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the helmin is clever. He is not a physician, stupid physician, <laughs> who prescribe immunosuppression for autoimmune diseases. The helmin actually secretes immunomodulating compound. So we have deciphered this compound, which is a very simple uh, molecule called phosphorylcholine, but phosphorine per se, is not effective. It's a very small molecule. So you need to bind it to another molecule, which we did. And the combined molecule is quite effective as an immunomodulating compound.
3: Have you developed a drug? Maybe yes, you've yes, and
2: we have even patented it. So wow. you cannot you cannot imitate. If you imitate, you will hear from my lawyer, etc. Et I was just thinking about eating some worms, but you know. Yeah. Uh, you can no. eat worms. Actually, it was tested in the past and in, also in the... Uh, In the present, uh, there are instructions by the internet how to take the worms or their eggs. It's not too pleasant. It's quite disgusting. sounds delicious.
1: Worms. Um, Now, we've had so many gems from you already, and uh, and this is what I loved about your talks. You had so many gems about foods we could use. We had jokes we had topless photos uh, but particularly the information you shared I thought was great now you talked about coffee and I thought that was really interesting you know Damien and I have a different relationship with coffee Damien is a good metabolizer of coffee and enjoys it I think I don't metabolize coffee well so I don't tend to do well on coffee and so Can I found it
2: is it a doctor to see what's wrong with you
1: I haven't I haven't <laughs> but but one of the things I found interesting was you were talking about autoimmune disease and you suggested that for some autoimmune diseases coffee could be beneficial and for some that it could be harmful so I'd love you to talk a little bit about that
2: that's true. In contrast to some other ingredients of food like curcumin or chocolate, which were found, uh, or reservatol from wine, which were found to be um, uh, improved or improving the conditions of many or all autoimmune diseases. We have 80 different autoimmune diseases. The coffee, which contains many ingredients inside, seems to be beneficial for some autoimmune diseases and and non beneficial for others, and maybe even increase the incidence of uh, some of the disease. But by and large, it's a good, um, good beverage. And, um, in contrast to the past that we were afraid of coffee because of the association of cigarette smoking with coffee drinking, mm-hmm. today that we have many people who are just coffee drinkers without cigarettes. you don't smoke. Oh, no, thanks God! This is a temple. You might have another two years in your life. So, <laughs> in any case, um, um, so today we have realized the beneficial uh, characteristics of the coffee, especially for some of the autoimmune diseases. Not, for instance, for multiple sclerosis. On the other hand, for thyroid disease, it may be beneficial, and so forth. Coffee is uh, special because we know even the mechanism by which it works, and what is the receptors which absorb the, the coffee and actually uh, transduce the beneficial effect. And it has been found that this is the same uh, receptor as one of the most popular drugs which are used in autoimmune disease, a very mild immunosuppressive drug called methotrexate. And therefore... You said it's mild. Yes, it is mild. It's right. It's not an immunomodulating, but it's on the verge of being immunomodulating drug. Uh, it's a very practical drug because you can take it once a week, so you don't have to remember to take it every day, etc. And it has been found that the metotrexate and the coffee are binding and working via the same receptors. And therefore, when you take methotrexate for any autoimmune disease, and it is prescribed for many diverse autoimmune diseases, you should avoid coffee, um, especially uh, at the time or during the day that you are taking the drug. Because they compete. They compete uh, for the same receptor. So uh, coffee is an interesting beverage, and you have to learn. Uh, about uh, this beverage uh, more in in details to understand which uh, um, diseases it's beneficial and for which diseases it may be I would say a little bit risky uh, to drink it Uh, but for you and as a healthy subject I would recommend that you will start to drink coffee (laughs) or check yourself with your physician for your GP to see if something is wrong either with your body or with your brain (laughs)
3: Oh, I love it. I've been saying that for nearly eight years, Professor. Uh, great. Thank you so much for sharing your time. I know you have to go. You have to be out of here in thirty-five seconds. So thank you for sharing your time, your wisdom, Professor. It's um, it's entertaining. It's enlightening, and I know that our our watchers, our viewers, and our listeners
2: will receive a lot of benefit from your advice and wisdom. Thank it you very my much. Was a great pleasure. And I have to say that I like and love to come to Australia. Not only because of the country, because of the people. And they are very, actually, they are the kindest people in the world. So I don't know if your compliment at the end of my talk was true or because you are Australian. Thank you very much. (laughs) I think it's both. Thank you very much, Professor.
3: We'll join you next time on the Wellness Guys show.
0: This year, the Wellness Summit returns. What is the ramifications for you if you continue to not know where your food is coming from and not make a hard stand about what you're
3: consuming? Back in 1992, I didn't know how to cook. In fact, I ate really poorly as many of you know. But I now love it so much that when I go to prepare something, it becomes magical.
0: don't want you to be stuck in the the crap that's happening. Know it, yes. Be aware of it, yes. But bring your vibration up so that we can vibrate at a higher level and collectively, we might be able to bring everybody up to make those changes.
3: I love preparing it and I know that everyone who's eating it absolutely loves it. Even the bits that they don't want to eat, they love eating them because I love making them. Does that make sense?
0: Cindy O'Meara and Damien Christophe feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com
3: This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.